Hey LifeBridge, welcome to week three of our Fully Formed Life campaign. Remember, while we're meeting outside for these five weeks, we're just shooting a quick video for the sermon so that you can follow along with what's happening if you're not able to join us outside. But if you are, I'd encourage you to join us on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. at Bushnell Park for our community gathering for service. So the campaign that we're in is called The Fully Formed Life. When we talk about the fully formed life, we don't mean that we're going to attain perfection. Uh, instead, what we're going after is discipleship, personal spiritual growth in all areas of who we are. So we're looking at all of the various areas of what it means to be a human person and what makes us us and learning to grow in all of those areas. And the verse that we're taking this all from is from Matthew 12, 29 through 30, where Jesus is asked, what is the most important commandment? And he says, the most important is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, and with all of your strength. And the second is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. So what Jesus gets at here is all of, and, and these, the heart, soul, mind, and strength, and loving your neighbor as yourself, get at all of the various aspects and dynamics of what makes us human. So Jesus is telling us to love God with all of who we are and to love others as we love ourselves. So the definition of spiritual formation that we've been running with is very simple. It's the process of growing in love for God and others. Love must be foundational. So we talked about that first. And uh, the first one Jesus says is the heart. So we talked about that last week. What does it mean to love God with more of our heart? Today, we're going to talk about how do we love God with all of our soul? What is Jesus talking about here? Uh, so first, we have to define and kind of untangle a little bit of our cultural presuppositions of what we mean by soul compared to what Jesus meant by soul, especially in Hebrew culture. So we're just going to do this briefly. It'll be in the devotional if you want more. These are quick videos. So if you want more teaching on this, go through the devotional, sign up for that each day. We do that five days a week. But so really quickly, the soul in Hebrew culture was, was more than just the ghost in the machine type idea. So I'm thinking of the movie Soul, right? Where it's the cute little blue whatever things that come out of the person when he dies. And that is their soul that lives in the afterlife. Or uh, I think of again the Avengers movie where the timekeeper lady like boom hits him and all of a sudden like he falls down his body. He has this out of body experience and his soul communicates with her. Okay, that's our cultural concept of soul, and that is not at all what the biblical authors are talking about when they talk about the soul. It's often used to describe just the human person in general. Um, it's used to describe somebody who is dead, where in our perception the soul would then be gone. But if somebody in Hebrew culture was dead, they're just a dead soul. Like it's their body. It's a reference for their whole being. Uh, and it's used very diversely in Hebrew and in uh, Greek concepts. So by the time Jesus is saying this, he's, he's addressing the Greek concepts of soul as well as the Hebrew concepts of soul. They're all at play in his culture. So for our purposes today, we'll unpack a lot of that more in the devotional. But for our purposes today, we're just talking about the soul as Dallas Willard defines it, which is the dimension of the person that interrelates all of the other dimensions so that they form one life. I'm going to pause. That's a lot to take in. 
but just think about that for a second. It is, I'll say it again, the dimension of the person that interrelates all of the other dimensions so that they form one life. So it correlates and it interacts with our heart, our mind, our body, all of that, and it, it, it seeks to form one life and to uh, harmonize all of the other aspects of who we are. So he, he describes it as like a computer that's running quietly in the background, running everything without us even being aware of it. We only notice it when it fully gets out of whack. And then he also defines it or describes it as like a stream of water which gives strength, direction, and harmony to every other element of our life. So it's like this, this life-giving aspect that coordinates, correlates all of the other aspects of who we are. That's why it, it's often used to describe the whole person because it touches and it affects every aspect of our life. Integrity is a huge word. It's a big soul word that kind of describes what our soul is going after and striving for is integrity. That is to, to harmonize all of the other parts of who we are. So when we live with integrity, we're, we're living under God's rule and authority. Our heart, our will is, is directed towards doing God's will. Our body is following suit by taking the actions that are coordinated with God's will. In our mind, we're transformed into the mind of Christ and thinking what is true. We're, we're feeling thoughts that align with what is, or we're feeling feelings that align with what is true. All of that harmonizes and then our soul is at peace. So in evangelical circles, this may be kind of strange for us to talk about it like this. Because in evangelical circles, we really only talk about the soul in the sense of saving it. And then once it's saved and it's safe, then we kind of treat it as it needs no further attention. And we just kind of avoid it. But we must constantly care and keep our soul by caring and keeping for all of the other aspects of who we are. So, uh, a couple of, couple of quick points to teach on this. Soul is a word that occurs all through Scripture, and we're talking about how to love God with more of our soul. And when we do so, we need to first live with meaning and purpose. And that meaning and purpose has to be what drives our, our life. And then our soul can be at rest and at peace. In Matthew 16, Jesus says this. Uh, he told his disciples, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. That word life there is, is the, really the word soul in Greek. And see how diversely it's used. It, it's used to refer to all of life and the person's life animates them because it does coordinate and correlate all of the other aspects of who we are. So Jesus says here, Whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. So he's saying, if you want to be my disciple, if you want to follow me, you need to deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. And essentially, what he's saying is you would, you would lose your life. You're giving up your, your own will to God, as we talked about with our heart conversation earlier. But in doing so, you find your soul and you find life. Because we, as human beings, were intended to find our meaning and our purpose in God and in God alone. And when we find our meaning and our purpose and we're solely committed to Him, then it coordinates all the other aspects of our life and our soul can be at rest. So we need meaning, we need purpose, and we need to find it in Jesus. 
Jesus goes on, For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what shall a man give in return for his soul? So what he's getting at here is what is it, again, this doesn't really, this doesn't really uh, compute with our concept of soul as just being that ghost in the machine because, no, our soul is something that we need to, that we can forfeit now. Like, no, that doesn't really fit with our concept of soul in the afterlife. But no, our soul can be forfeited and distorted and really ruined now if we aren't living as people of integrity following Jesus. So what he says is, well, if we are chasing after the whole world, if we're gaining, searching for success, for material wealth, for um, whatever, fill in the blank on uh, satisfaction, fill in the blank. If we're searching for any of that that the world has to offer, then we're forfeiting our soul. And our soul is not meant to do that because then we will be living a life not in harmony. So what shall a man give for his soul? It's so valuable. Our soul is so, so valuable. Our life, the, the animating part of who we are that animates all the different aspects of our being, it is so, so valuable. And if we search to maintain our soul in all of these other areas of life, we will forfeit it. It is only meant to be in the hands of Jesus. Next, our soul finds peace and rest and harmony when we humbly submit our soul to the teaching of Jesus, when our whole life is submitted to the teaching of Jesus. Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 through 30, Jesus says this, he says, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. This labor and heavy laden language is, is pointed towards the people who are trying to uphold the law in the Jewish culture, and they're just failing. They're carrying the weight that the Pharisees have put on the people of upholding the law and perfection, and they're failing, and it's this heavy burden that they can't, uh, they can't carry anymore. And Jesus says, come to me and I will give you rest. Rest is another big soul word. He says, take my yoke upon you. That's his teaching. That's his rules for life and the way he lived his life. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, meaning watch him live and live in such a way. For I am gentle and lowly in heart. And he's saying this is the part of his life that we are to mimic. His gentleness, his humility, and he says, you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So our soul finds rest when we look for it in Jesus. 1 Peter 1.22 says it like this. Having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart. That first line, having purified your souls by obedience to the truth. What Peter is saying here is, hey, we, we have a pure soul. Our soul is uh, living in harmony with all, with all the other aspects of our being are in harmony. And our soul is at peace and at rest when we are living in obedience to the Word of God, to Jesus' teachings, to Jesus' way. So, we have to humbly submit to the teachings of Jesus. We have to be humble. We have to be in submission to him. Dallas Willard says it like this. He says, One whose aim is anything less than obedience to the law of God in the spirit and the power of Jesus will never have a soul at rest in God and will never advance significantly in spiritual formation 
into Christ-likeness. So if our aim is anything less than obedience to the law of God, if we are willfully disobeying certain aspects of Jesus' teachings or Jesus' way of life and, and just neglecting those aspects of our life, then our soul will never be at peace and our formation will be stalled. He says elsewhere, we must learn in his yoke beyond acting with him is to abandon outcomes to God, accepting what we do not have in ourselves, in our own heart, soul, mind, and strength, the wherewithal to make this come out right, whatever this is. He says as well, humility is the great secret, secret of rest of soul because it does not presume to secure outcomes. So this is the problem. We always tend to try to think eight steps ahead and say, well, if I do this, even if it is the right thing to do, if I do this, then uh, down the line, it is not going to go well for me. It's going to cause this outcome or that outcome. Our soul can be at rest when we can say, I'm going to obey the words and the ways of Jesus and then let the outcomes take care of themselves. The outcomes are in the hands of God. We fake, we, we deceive ourselves when we think that we can control our, all outcomes. Only God can. And it is not our part, it is not our responsibility to control all outcomes. And really that is a huge weight off of our shoulders and our soul can find rest when we say, God, I'm surrendering the outcomes to you. I am going to do your will. I am going to do the right thing and follow your way in all things. And then we find peace. So when we are following the teachings of Jesus, humbly submitted to him, our soul can be at rest. And when we do so, we find our purpose. Lord, we just pray that you would guide us in this, that you would guide us to find peace and rest for our souls. Help us to find our meaning in you. To Lord, uh, as we talked about last week, surrender our hearts to you, God. And in doing so, Lord, our soul can find rest. Help us to rest in you and in no one or no thing else. And Lord, help us to follow your way. If we're going to come up against this time and time again, we need to humbly submit to your way, to your truth, to your teachings, because Jesus, we love you. So we know that your way is best and we want to follow you. So Lord, guide us in this. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.